incorporating different modalities into my own practice and into what I was teaching was essential. So when I was in my early 20s, I did my like last yoga training that I've ever done since then. And I went home from that training and my body felt like a disaster. Like my lower back hurt all the time, my knees were doing weird things. It just felt like garbage. And then I met Ido Portal and I started taking a couple of his workshops. This was like seven, eight years ago. Then I started lifting and, you know, just incorporating different things. And then I started to realize like, I have to do this. Like personally, I have to do this or else my body is going to feel like crap. And the more I started to talk to the people in my classes, the more I started to notice that like people were like rubbing their wrists after we did a thousand handstands. And I started to realize like we need these integrations. This is Maestro on the Mic. A podcast designed to help you change your mindset and your life. It is time for something new. Join host Dr. Shante Cofield, also known as the Movement Maestro, on a journey to see the bigger picture. Open your eyes. Find your passion and discover how movement unites us all. Let's get it popping. This is Maestro on the Mic. I'm the Maestro, and you're about to get maestro Three, two. Hello, friends, and welcome to another episode of Maestro on the Mic. Today, I got someone for you that some of you may know, some of you may not know, and I'm actually pretty excited about this. So she is the host of the Mindful Strength podcast. She's a creative thinker in the world of yoga, which is what I'm like super pumped about, and movement. Let's not forget about that. Um, And what she's doing, it fuses yoga practice and strength training, which you guys know is the direction I want to see us or things going. She provides education for yoga teachers, trainers, and clinicians alike. She's doing some stuff in the digital space, my favorite, with an online membership uh, and has trainings for people who want to incorporate more strength into their practice. So I am super pumped to have her on today and for the discussion that we're going to have. So without further ado, welcome to the show, Catherine Bruni Young. Welcome, friend. Yay, I'm so happy to be here. (laughs) I like that. Yay. I like that. So uh, Juan, thank you. I know you're a busy lady. um, So thank you for making the time. But I'm going to go ahead and just pass the mic right on over to you. And why don't you just tell the people whatever you want to tell them about you? (laughs) So I live in Canada, in the eastern part of Ontario. I live in a really, really small town, a town of 400 people. And this is not where I grew up. I um, run a business from here. My partner and I work together and he does all of my video and podcasts and sound and editing and photography and all of those things. And my work revolves around helping yoga teachers and folks who have been doing yoga for a number of years bring more strength and functional movement and mobility and just variability into what they do. And I got started with this stuff a number of years ago. Like I said, I did not grow up in this small town. I grew up in Toronto, which is a huge city in Canada. I grew up in my mom's Ashtanga yoga studio, Ah, practicing with her from a really young age. 
I was also into gymnastics as a kid. I was into dance and like all forms of exercise as a kid. But in my teenage years, I got really, really into Ashtanga and I stopped doing everything else. And I, I just did, you know, postural yoga for a number of years. And then my body started to not feel so great mm. after a while. And this is what got me into all the things that I'm into now. So like I got into CrossFit, then I got into competitive powerlifting, then I got into like gymnastics, strength training, just all of these different things, movement, culture, I've done stuff with resistance bands, and now I just fuse it all together. And this is what I teach. And I found that it's just like, so helpful for people who have been practicing asana for so many years, and maybe who have not been doing other stuff. It's just like such a great way to get a little bit more well-rounded and just get some new movements into their bodies. Dude, I got I to gotta stop you and back you up. One, this is like, whoa, my mind is before to people. What Can you just define two terms? Because my audience is pretty varied now, but I know that a lot of them are like me and like maybe they like go to hot yoga, but they don't really know, know yoga. So can you explain what Ashtanga is and what exactly Asana means? Okay, so Ashtanga is a style of yoga. Like there's Bikram and there's Kundalini and there's now there's like hot yoga, you know, there's all mm-hmm. of these different styles. And so Ashtanga is this style. It is pretty vigorous. It's oh, okay. super duper physical. You know, it's usually done like early in the morning in a hot room. It can be like super sweaty. Huh. Um, yeah. And then Asana is just a word that I use sometimes instead of yoga practice because yoga is this like overarching umbrella term that is like a way of life and a way of thinking and ethics and all of these things. So when I'm talking about like doing push-ups on a a mat, I'm trying at least to not call that yoga because that's not really yoga. Yoga is this, you know, huge thing. Um, And so asana is a way of saying like the exercises we do in a Okay. Yeah. Ah, Okay. Well, this is fascinating. I'm like hesitant to ask, but I kind of feel like I just want to ask. So then what how would you define yoga? Because I know you said you just said it's like this huge overarching thing, but if I if you could, how mm-hmm. would you define yoga? Okay. So, you know, it's probably like you know, what is yoga is not up to me. So whatever whatever I share now is like a, you know, just a personal idea that I have. This is definitely not like what yoga is. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but I've asked a lot of people this question on my podcast because this is a big question mm-hmm. and sometimes can be controversial. Um, but a lot of the answers that I have gotten is like yoga is mindfulness in life or yoga is just being like aware of every aspect of your life yoga could be I would say like a mindfulness but not just a mindfulness of your exercises and movement like a mindfulness Mm -hmm. of how you're living and how you're treating people and how you're treating yourself um all of those things I would say fall into the the bigger idea of what yoga is got it I like that and what pulled you back into this space after because you went on a little bit of a journey you were like I did lifting and crossfit and powerlifting and like gymnastics style stuff what pulled you back so 
Throughout all of these years where I've been doing different styles of movement and working with different coaches, I have still been teaching. And I grew up teaching Ashtanga. Now I teach something that's really different, but you know, it's, it's done on a yoga mat. It's an hour long class. It is, I would say if someone didn't really know so much of what a yoga class looked like, they could look in and be like, oh yeah, they're doing some type of asana practice or postural yoga practice. Um, So what's pulled me back is the fact that like I grew up practicing yoga and as much as I love strength and conditioning and and that really informs the way that I teach people, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm never, I don't think I'm ever going to only teach in a gym. I'm not going to be a strength and conditioning coach. You know, I'm not going to be a powerlifting coach. Like yoga is what I know. And I think that the folks who are doing yoga can really benefit from this other stuff. And like, honestly, my body has really benefited from the practice of yoga and not just like the shapes that we do on the mat, but Mm -hmm, like mm -hmm. relaxation and having down regulation practices and mindfulness and all of that stuff I've really benefited from. And so it's been wonderful to really come back to those practices after years of lifting and stuff like that and to really feel like, oh no, this stuff is so good for my body. Yeah, this is this is great. I want to keep on with this, and I have two questions. I think they're kind of in the same same vein. So one of the things that I've noticed, like just in the you know my brief exposure to yoga, is that there's a a, a lack of pulling. Like you can't yes. replicate pulling exercises or pulling movements. So two things here. One, how do you incorporate that, or what, what do you do about that? Because I know you, you're you're bringing this very different, well-rounded practice to things. Uh, and how do you incorporate upregulation? Like I feel like in general, people go into yoga thinking it's supposed to be like down regulation, down regulation, which we know is like not the only thing there. So how do you incorporate these two things? Okay, so pulling is a huge topic. Obviously, um, there's no real pulling in yoga, and although there is this movement right now towards like imagine you're pulling or like visualize that you're pulling as you do this or can you engage the muscles of pulling like that is all fabulous and like I recommend people do that and also that's not the same as actually pulling a load like it's not going to actually change your pulling strength that much so um I use resistance bands in my classes I think that's the easiest way to do it. You know, if folks have weights at home, they can use weights with their practice or they can use like sliding surfaces and stuff like that. But I use resistance bands in every class that I teach now just because there's some things that you can't do with only your body weight on a mat. Like it's just not possible. And I find that getting the resistance band into the class also makes exercises like pulling just super duper accessible because you can just like stand on your band, bend over, pull the band. It's super easy. If you, if you can stand up, you can do the movement. It's not like some fancy thing where you have to be able to get your body into this fancy shape. And I think it's, I think it's really, really essential because I think a lot of people who are practicing asana in any different form of it, whether it's hot yoga or ashtanga or Bikram or whatever, you know, like, if you only do pushing for a lot of years, that starts to show up and yeah. your pushing gets strong sometimes, although I've met a lot of practitioners who do not have strong pushing. And um, our pulling just gets really, really weak. Yeah. And so we have to like keep that balance somehow. I love it. I love it. And what about with upregulation? Okay. So... 
I do things in my classes that are definitely stimulating, like Mm -hmm. more on the side of dynamic movement. Mm -hmm. And you see that in some types of asana practices, not always. I think that like the typical yoga class that's happening in a popular studio where they're playing like, you know, loud music. And Mm -hmm. I think that that type of practice is fairly stimulating in and of itself. Um, where like, I think they'd probably get a little bit more benefit from like relaxing, but the types of people that I work with in this very small town that I live in, they don't do a lot of dynamic movement practices. So something that I would do in my class to just like get things stimulated a little bit is I used to bring these like yoga tuna balls to my class and we Mm -hmm. would, um, not roll on them, but we would like bounce them on the floor. Like you're dribbling a basketball or something like that. We do this for like 10 minutes at the beginning of the class to like, you know, also work on people's hand-eye coordination and their balance. And, you know, they start like laughing and just, you know, we do both sides, work on their speed a little bit and their timing and rhythm and all of that stuff. Although um, that is like, I imagine there are not a lot of yoga teachers who are doing that at the beginning of their class. But yeah, like sometimes people need a bit more of this upregulation. And I think that like strength work in and of itself kind of gets into that. The stuff with the bands gets into that. Like that stuff is hard. Totally. Totally. Catherine, Catherine, like what do you do if someone's listening to this or someone someone comes to you and they're just like, that's not yoga. Yeah. This is a real thing. Do people say that? Oh, oh, they do. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) And so – you know, I'm like a 30-year-old white woman who grew up in Toronto, right? So like, it's not really up to me to be like, oh, no, this is yoga. Um, I don't know. Yoga is a cultural practice that came from India. It's an indigenous practice. I can totally see how some people might look at this and be like, oh, that's not yoga. That's just like fitness. And you know, like, I struggle as well with like, is this yoga? Like, do Mm -hmm. I call this yoga? Um, so far, I still call it something like yoga. Yeah. I think that at the heart of yoga, what we're trying to do is connect with each other and connect with ourselves and develop the strength that we need to live our lives and be the people that we want to be. And so I really see how these types of practices help support that. And I so in that. that way, I'm like, yes, this feels like yoga to me. This feels more like yoga than anything I used to do yeah. in my quote yoga yeah. studio. Um, but I also understand the other perspective where it's like, this looks really different from how yoga practice came to be. Yeah. It's so interesting. I love what you just said though about and connecting with yourself. Like I, I think of it in terms of not yoga, but everything in terms of like marketing and people love packages and they love boxes and they love labels. And it's like, it's tough to get people in the door if they don't know, if they can't put it in some sort of box. Mm-hmm. So I feel like it'd be, it's like necessary, even though I feel like I, like I see where the kickback would come from. But, you know, in the way that you just explained it, I'm like, yeah, that makes total sense. And this is great because ideally, hopefully that's what people are coming in for is that connection. They understand that, like, that bigger picture there. And then like, they're going to get it just in a different package. Like, but it's the same, same thing. Mm-hmm. Like, that's, that's, that's fascinating. So you, you teach in-person classes too? Can you talk about that? So yeah, in my very small town, I teach a class on Thursday mornings and it's for the locals, like 
I live in this type of place where you would only come to the class if you were a local because it's kind of far from everywhere else. (laughs) And that is my one like weekly public dropping class that I continue to teach, which I think is really important as I like, you know, continue to develop my own skills as a teacher and just connecting with people in the community. I know that oftentimes people start teaching international workshops and working online more and they kind of like, disconnect from the place where they live and the people who live there. And so it it feels really important to me to even just like show up and teach one class a week. Totally. I like that. Totally. So what does that look like? What does a class with you? If I was to show up and be like, you know, take class tomorrow, uh, or I guess, yeah, today's Thursday. So show up today and, and take class. What does that, what does a class look like? So the class is an hour long. I teach it at, uh, like a community space in town and so it's just like a big empty space people bring yoga mats I bring resistance bands and we have chairs in the room as well and my class is at 10 15 in the morning out in the country so mostly people who come are retired most of them don't have a lot of exercise experience or yoga or anything like that type of experience so it's more of a I would say just like basic general movement class so we do a lot of like balance Sometimes I start my class where we all walk right on the edge of our mat, like one foot in front of the other, like you're walking on a Mm -hmm. tightrope and we'll do that type of thing. We might bounce a ball. We'll do a number of pulling exercises. We'll do some type of like pushing, push up progression, a bunch of stretches. And it's all sequenced like a vinyasa practice would be sequenced. So it's not like, okay, now do 10 bent over rows with your band okay. And now, you know what I mean? It's mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, place the band on the floor. Let's step on it. Let's bend over. It's super flowing. So gotcha. people can just like get into their movements, get into their practice, have a little bit of time on their own to check things out. And then we always end in a relaxation like you would in the, in the typical vinyasa class where things wind down. We do a couple passive stretches and then we all lie down in some comfortable position for the last five minutes. This is so great. How'd you set this up? Oh man, how did I'm I? I'm always set curious this about up? the business side of things, like yeah, because like you know, I talk to people and they're like, I can't do it. I live in a small town, and then here you are. You're like, I did this in the country, and you're like, oh okay, <laughs> like how did yeah. you set up that class? So the thing about a small town is there's like no options. There yeah. are not a lot. Of, there are no yoga classes. There's no any classes where I live. <laughs> there's uh, there's actually a woman who teaches an, an eccentrics class at the same community center right before I teach. So Uh oftentimes I go to her class before I teach, but that's the only option. So I find um, it's been like not that challenging to get it set up. You know, Uh I rent this space, so I commit to 10 weeks and then I make a couple Facebook posts. And actually this time around, my partner and I ran a Facebook ad campaign to the small town where we live, which is hilarious because I got such great response because there's no other Facebook ads running where we live. I love it. And that's basically it. It's pretty simple. I mean, the other thing about how I can do this and how I can get it set up is like that class is not paying the bills. So it pays me money, but you know, like teaching that one class a week is not to make it or break it. Like all of the other work I do also supports being able to teach that class like living where I live I definitely don't think I could teach 12 of those classes a week uh but one or two totally works let's keep talking about that what else are you doing I love this that you said that like 
I hear people too often, they're like putting their hopes and dreams on this one thing and they're like, it didn't work. And it's like, you have to figure out what, what is sustainable where you're at. So you're doing much other things. What, what does that look like? So I have a few big projects on the go, which is kind of different from the last few years of how I've run my business. Previously, I've had a lot of smaller projects. So at one point I had like five different online courses on my website and people mm-hmm. would sign up for them whenever. Now I have a membership. Mm-hmm. So it is both a monthly and an annual membership. So in July, we have this big annual sale and people can sign up for the whole year. And if people don't do that, then they can just sign up whatever month they want and they can cancel whenever they want. It's like one of those things, really easy to deal with. And every class that I teach in my very small town, I record. I have a GoPro and a microphone and my partner Kyle does all of our editing and stuff like that. And then we also have a studio in our house, like a looks like a yoga studio. And so I record a number of other classes in there. And then when we travel and teach workshops, Kyle records my workshops. And so we're constantly in this just like, I'm always teaching and he's always filming me. And then we put all of this material into our membership. So mm-hmm. there's that is like a huge project. Now we have just over 400 people in it, which is like amazing. So that sustains a lot. It's a huge job, but it's totally worth it because it's pretty incredible to connect with that many people internationally. I have another course. It's a smaller course and people can sign up for it whenever they want. It's a course on the SI joint that Jules Mitchell and I did together. She's a biomechanics expert. And so that's like a smaller thing that I have going on. I have a three-month-long teacher's immersion, which is kind of like a mentorship that begins in the spring. So it runs from April to the end of June. And again, like it's me teaching, but I also have a number of guest instructors. And most of it is pre-recorded material. And then I do live calls with that every week. So that's actually something that I'm just putting the finishing touches on right now, which has been like such an epic job putting together that mentorship program so epic but it's great because then I can live in this small town and work online with people who have been following me for a number of years but who just like can't make it to Canada or can't make it to somewhere else that I'm teaching Um, so that also supports like a lot of the other stuff that we do and then you know I have a podcast now we're making YouTube videos it's like it's full what's the, on. What's go, go into that? Just in my own personal interest. Like, what are you doing with the YouTube videos? The YouTube videos are a new development. I've kind of been like ignoring YouTube for the totally. last few years. But, you know, I feel like now I, I am in like a comfortable position where it's easy to, to make podcasts and Instagram is easy and everything. So now I'm like, okay, let's do YouTube. Mm-hmm. So every week, every Wednesday, I put out a YouTube video The past, I think we have five of them out now. The past five weeks have been just like me teaching a basic tutorial on a yoga pose that either is popular or I like. And I'm basically just saying like, here's what I think about it. And here's how you can add strength to it. And here's the like cues that you've been hearing for the last 20 years that like maybe they don't make sense anymore and um, stuff like that. And then we just put that on YouTube and Kyle makes me like an IGTV formatted version with subtitles and all of the bells and whistles. Love it. And we also post it on Instagram because at this point I just like, I can't not post it on Instagram. Totally. Totally. 
I like it. Branching it out. does so- feel like a slow burn though on YouTube. Mm. It feels like mm. it's going to take a long time before there's enough people following on YouTube that like it really feels like it makes sense to put that much effort because we spend more time on these YouTube videos because they're like they're well produced. We've got like yeah. close ups. It's the whole thing. It's all the yeah. things. Yeah. It's a real, yeah, that's, that's definitely what has kept me away from it is just like it's longer content which in and of itself means you have to like do more with it and it's just like I mean if you're watching other videos that are on there they're like like you said it's like done really well and then this thing pops up and there's like sounds and it's just like a whole it's a whole thing and on social media you can like you can just make a video on your phone and it looks good and it sounds good and you post it on Instagram and it's all good great but you can't do that on YouTube no YouTube you gotta like be legit yeah. Wow. I like it. I like, I mean, I love that this, this partnership, I want to ask about that. How is that working with like your person? Is that, that it's smooth sailing there or what's yeah, that? Yeah, it actually works out really well. So about two and a half years ago, Kyle and I moved out to the country to where we live now. Okay. And uh, we bought this house. And at that point, Kyle still, so he's a weightlifting coach. He coaches like oh. a youth Olympic weightlifting team. And he also used to work for an additional gym. And so it hasn't actually, it might be almost two years now that Kyle quit his other job working for an additional gym. So now he only coaches the weightlifters three nights a week. And then all the rest of the time he's working with me for my whole time. And it's really changed everything. It's changed everything about like my business and what I'm able to do and what we're able to do together like the year that Kyle came on as an employee, my business doubled in sales. It was insane. Huh. I was just like, oh my goodness, this was definitely the right decision. Like we are on the right track. Keep doing what we're doing. Um, some days, some days is a little bit challenging, you know, like you wake up and it's like, okay, now we have to shoot two yeah. YouTube videos and you have to like, and I have to like be in a good mood and like smiley and yeah he's got to be super present and like our dog is barking and you know what I mean there's like shit going on so we definitely have those moments where it's like okay now we have to walk the dog at the right time so he'll sleep at the right time so we can shoot the YouTube but um it's also amazing like Kyle and I are both kind of introverts we like to just deal with each other and not deal with other people. Mm-hmm. All right. We like to live in the country. It, it's been working out, I would say, like surprisingly well. Dude. And what came first here, the move or the digital business stuff? So I, had been, I have been running an online business for close to five years. Five years okay. ago, I moved away from Toronto and I was like, oh boy, I don't have a job anymore. So I started like teaching for myself and teaching more workshops and running an online business. And that definitely came first. And then Kyle and I got super serious and he decided he wanted to quit his job. And he has been like a, a lifelong um, video gamer. Like he, he oh, would okay, like, yeah. used to, like, before we had a dog, he used to wake up at 6am and like put on headphones and like, do shooting games oh yeah Yeah, so he loves the computer he loves sitting down in front of the computer and doing like really high brain power work and so we like slowly transitioned him from like video games to like podcasts I'm like well maybe now podcasts could be the new video game you could do this 
And it just kind of like slowly grew into he started to take on more and more and more tasks. And that's really the only way that any of this is possible. I mean, today we were recording content for my for my mentorship program. And I just like stopped and I said to him at one point, I was like, could you imagine if we had to like book a videographer and then like go to their studio and like do it all in one day? Like, no, we would not get half of this stuff done. Totally. Yeah. Totally. Totally get it. Man, that's so, you know, continuing with that, why do you think it was that you said, because when you brought him on officially as an employee, yeah. Everything doubled. Like, what do you think? What happened? So I think, okay, so part of what happened was like Kyle quit his job. We have a mortgage together. He started working for Mindful Strength. I was like, oh shit, like this needs to work <laughs> out. Like, I, you know, we can't mess around here. So when something like that in my life happens, I go into like double gear. I'm just like, okay, what can we do? Like, I have you full time now. What can you do? Like, what can you learn how to do? Like, he doesn't have, like, he doesn't know how to edit a podcast or use Adobe or Premiere Pro Mm -hmm. or anything. Like, he just has figured it out over time. Totally. Totally. So there was that. There's like the added pressure of like, okay, we need to double down because now this needs to work because now we're both in. And then I just started thinking about, you know, different things that we could do. I was like, well, if you want to edit video all the time, then like we could have an online studio. Like yeah. in my online membership, we put out eight new classes every month, Love which it. I feel like is more than most people put in their yeah. online studios or memberships. That's a and we can do that because we work together from our house. We've got all our equipment in house, all of that stuff. And you know, the year that we launched our online membership, that was like a huge boost in sales. Like I was so surprised at how many people signed up. I couldn't believe it. And that was the moment where I was just like, okay, this is happening. Like we're on the right track. Got it. That's, that's amazing. I want to keep going with that because you kind of said they're like, this is you, right? This like your inherent drive here. And like, you were like, there's a problem. We will solve it and we will overcome and thrive. So yeah. Like, you're a big name in the yoga space. Like, people know you. This, I'm trying to think of how I'm going to phrase the question. Like, how did you get there? Like, you started and was this like a thing? And you're like, I want to be this thing. Or like, you were just like, I want to put out the best content. Can you take us through kind of like what your journey, maybe inadvertently, has looked like? Yeah, for sure. So my mom opened one of the first yoga studios in Canada. She was one of like the original teachers. Yeah. Her studio, um, which she no longer owns anymore, but her studio has been there for 25 years. And I know that yoga has been in California for longer than that, but in Canada, it was one of the first. And so um, through her, I've had lots of opportunities, you know, like I did my teacher training when I was in high school. My parents were like super laid back. They let me and my brother do whatever we wanted to. So I was just like, okay, well, I want to go to yoga. So (laughs) I'm like, I can skip school if I want to go to yoga. And I was like, yeah, that's fine. So I used to just like follow her around and go everywhere that she went. I started teaching when I was like in grade 12. And now I'm 30 years old and I've been teaching for like, you know, almost 15 years. So like that was a huge thing of how I got started, right? Like I've been doing this This is the only job I've ever had. Um, 
And so I've had a lot of time to like really think about things and learn things myself. When you start when you're young, it's just like a, just like a free for all. You just start trying shit. You don't, you don't, it. you're not like afraid of stuff, which is uh-huh. amazing. It's true. <laughs> it's so true. So there was that. I had like a lot of learning curve. And then when I found all these other forms of movement, you know, like I CrossFit, weightlifting, yeah. powerlifting, Edo Portal movement, all of this different yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. Then I started learning more about like how the body actually works. I started learning from physios. I started learning more about biomechanics. And then I started to get really, really excited about like sharing more information. And I think I started to feel like now I'm learning things that are super helpful and that I know will really help other people who are in this position who have been doing this practice for so long and have a lot of the similar injuries that I have and have a lot of Mm. similar issues that I've been having. And that just, I guess, culminated in like, okay, let's do this. Let's make a course and put it on the internet and and see what happens. And, you know, my first course, I made it like five years ago and I was about handstands because at that point, that's what I knew the best. And that's what it was. And whatever, like 30 people signed up for it, which at that point seemed like a big deal. That's amazing. Okay. Yeah. Amazing. And so it's, it's really just like slowly grown from there. Had I not had those initial experiences with my mom and with all of her teachers, would I be in the position I am right now? Probably not. I have no idea what I would have gotten into instead. But I think like starting at that young age with, you know, another woman who has been like self-employed her whole life and super running a big yoga business and being really, really successful, you know, like, I don't know if I've learned a lot about technical business from my mom, because her business was so different from mine. But just like that passion and that drive and that ability to just like get stuff done, even when you have like no technical skills or like whatever. My parents were both self-employed. They didn't go to university. Um, So good. There's just this like, okay, no, we can learn how to do it. We'll figure it out. Yeah. We'll figure it out. In that same vein, one of the biggest things that I hear, especially it's from the yoga teachers, people in the yoga world, and any kind of personal trainers, is there's like this like imposter syndrome slash like I don't know enough. And like they're scared to share. They're scared to share their, what they know. And some of these people I've been talking to or that I talk to, you know, have been in it for years and years, like, you know, 15, 20 years. And they're just like, I don't know enough or like I'm worried how did I mean you you've you said some of it right now because like you said you started early and things like that but like what advice would you give to these people in terms of like starting to share their knowledge and being more confident in sharing their knowledge I think that what you're talking about is really true and I think especially you know like I continue my learning I continue to meet people who are super smart especially on my own podcast so I'm like oh my god you're so smart I feel like I don't know anything compared to you like <laughs> I totally feel this, especially as I get a little bit older, I feel this more and more. I think that we need to just like start somewhere, you know? So if you want to talk about like upper body strength, like you, you just need to really focus on upper body strength. I think that people need to just like zone in on what they want to be good at and what they want to learn about. And they need to learn about it from a couple different perspectives. So you know, you can't just read a yoga book. You got to read a couple different books or work with a couple different types of practitioners. But like, if people can just focus on one thing at a time, 
I think that they're going to be way more successful overall. So when I started my first online course and my first workshop, I just taught what I knew. And that was handstands. You know, I've been teaching yoga for a long time. I could have said, okay, let's do a whole workshop on all these different things that I kind of know a little bit about, but I'm not super confident. Like I'm not a thousand percent. But if you asked me how to progress towards a handstand, like I was a thousand percent. And I think that was also how I cultivated my own confidence. It's like you start with one little thing and then it starts to grow as you grow. But I think that when people, you know, they scroll through Instagram and they look at all these amazing practitioners who we all follow and they're like, oh my God, they're talking about everything. They're talking about every part of the body and all, you know, it's like, oh my God, where do I even start? I feel like I don't know anything compared to you. It's like, what do you want to be talking about? And then like, Do you need to learn more about it? I don't know. Maybe yes, maybe no. And then how can you just start talking about that in a way that is just like down to earth and that people are actually going to understand because you know it so well? Damn. Yes. Yes. That's what I think. That is a... That is like probably the best business lesson that anyone will ever give on this podcast and that you guys will ever hear. Like it's the power of niching down and... It's scary and people think that when you like start to quote unquote niche down that it's like makes you a boring person. You're like, but there's more to me. I get it. But that's that's so brilliant. It's the way she explained it there. Like do what you know. Start with one thing. You got to start somewhere. Start with that. And then it evolves. Like if you listen to, to Catherine's yeah. own story. Yeah. Her first course was on handstands. And now she's over here, you know, with 18 gazillion different things she's putting out because it's a lot, you're allowed to change and you're allowed to grow and you will grow as, as you go along. Like that's. How has that been for you? Like, what you bring to the to the yoga space, I guess, in your classes is not traditional. And like we talked about earlier, people may say like, that's not yoga. How has that been for you incorporating these things and just like being like, but this is what I believe in? Is that scary? Or what does that look like? Incorporating different modalities into my own practice and into what I was teaching was essential. So when I was in my early 20s, I did my like last yoga training that I've ever done since then. And I went home from that training, my body felt like a disaster, like my lower back hurt all the time, my knees were doing weird things, it just felt like garbage. And then I met Ido Portal, and I started taking a couple of his workshops. This was like seven, eight years ago. Mm -hmm. Then I started lifting and, you know, just incorporating different things. And then I started to realize like, I have to do this. Like personally, I have to do this or else my body is going to feel like crap. And the more I started to talk to the people in my classes, the more I started to notice that like people were like rubbing their wrists after we did a thousand handstands or just little things like that. And I started to realize like we actually need these things and some people need it more than others, but definitely the folks that I was coming into contact with, like we need these integrations. You know, one style Mm -hmm. of movement practice doesn't cover it all. It's not perfectly balanced. Not that it has to be perfectly balanced, but like Ashtanga is nowhere even close. And I really felt like integrating these things into what I was doing was the only way for me to like teach something that is ethical, you know? Like Mm. how can I just keep teaching the same series of poses over and over again if I know that those poses don't even make me feel good anymore. 
Um, I just didn't think that it was the right thing to do. And it was difficult. And my mom had gone through this experience a few years before I did. And she had a really catastrophic injury. And then she had to like, go learn from different practitioners and really rethink how she was approaching the practice. And, and when she started to talk about that publicly, um, you know, a decade ago, it was not very well received Mm -hmm. and people Mm -hmm. didn't want to hear it. And they didn't want to hear about how the Ashtanga practice, um, could have maybe led to an injury. And, and she still had to say it because that was the only way that like, it's the right thing to do is you have to talk about your own experience and, and what's working for you. And like, if something is working really well and it's working for everyone, you know, then like, that's so great. And I just felt like there was no other way around it. It's like, I'm not going to be the person who like goes to the gym secretly and like, doesn't tell their (laughs) other yoga friends, which like, this is a real thing. And it's so sad that like people can't, I don't know, people, I mean, when I started this eight years ago, everyone, every one of my friends was from the yoga studio and I would be like going to CrossFit before class and they would all just think that I was nuts, like totally crazy. Like, oh, don't do that. You're going to ruin your yoga practice. It's it's like now a a decade later, I look back, I'm just like, what the heck is yoga even in the first place? Like you think this thing, this gymnastics we're doing in a hot room, listening to music, like is that really yoga? Like, no, of course not. Of course not. So doesn't doing the supportive thing for your body, like, I feel like that is just what I had to do. I love that word that it's really sticking out at me. You said it was essential. Yeah. And that is like, that's such a powerful word, such a powerful driver for, you know, keeping you going with things and being like, yeah, but I have to do this. I have to say that I have to, I have to bring it, you know, I have to be doing this. Like this is, this is phenomenal. So I got to ask, cause it's like the big thing, at least I'm seeing now in social media and the, the yoga space is this like over this concern about overstretching. Mm, like where, yeah. where do you, where do you stand mm. on that? What is Yes. And I, you, you had mentioned Jules Mitchell and she, you guys listening, she's coming on the podcast in a few weeks. Um, oh, good. Yeah, she's, she's dope. And she said one of the most, like, I think profound things at my course is like, her, you know, I guess it's her little, her line of like, be less concerned about overstretching and more concerned with underloading. And I was like, yeah. that's phenomenal. What, yeah. what is your stance on all of this? So Jules is a good friend of mine. I've obviously learned a lot from her. I'm so glad she's coming on your podcast. I used to think that I was overstretched, you know, before I knew any better. I was like, okay, let's put two and two together. I've been doing forward bends for a decade nonstop and my hamstrings are weak and I have pain in my lower back. So it Mm -hmm. must be all the stretching, right? And um, then I started to learn more things and I started to look at not what I was doing, which was a whole lot of stretching, But I started to look at all the things that I wasn't doing, like loading, jumping, Mm -hmm. blah, 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 running, basically anything else. I wasn't doing anything. (laughs) (laughs) Let's be serious. I was doing handstands (laughs) and the splits. Like that's what it was. Anything else. I liked it. Whatever. It's all good. Yeah. Um, (laughs) But then, you know, it's like, okay, well, why in my mind did I just jump to, oh, it must be all the stretching? Because some people are like, okay, well, think of like, you know, these old stories that you'd get from like 80s kind of research. Well, like take a piece of meat and stretch it apart yeah, and look yeah. at what happens to it. That's what you're doing with when you're stretching. It's like, that's not actually what's yeah, happening no. when you're stretching. So, 
we have these ideas that are imprinted in us from wherever. And um, I agree with Jules, you know, I don't think that stretching is the problem. I think that it's a lack of everything else, a lack of lifting, a lack of a lack of variable movements. Um, there's a lot of stretching in most forms of asana, depending on which one you're doing. Um, but I don't think that the stretching is causing as many problems as the just lack of doing mm-hmm. anything else. Like do anything. You don't even have to lift <laughs> yes. heavy. Just like go swim once anything or twice else. a week and your body might feel different. I think that a lot of people also have this idea about the overstretching because they do a lot of stretching for a lot of years and then they stop and then they feel better. And it's like, oh, well, it must have been the stretching. It's like, oh, but there's other factors in there as well. So yeah, agree, underloading big time. This is is so good. This is so, so good. I'm like, man, I'm looking at my list here. I'm looking at the time. I think we covered the what I wanted to cover, I got maybe, I got one more question and then I'm going to have you plug yourself and then my, my parting question. But one of the words that you just brought up and you brought it up in the very beginning of the podcast and I circled it on my middle page over here is variability. Like, I love that word. I love that you're, you're really yeah. talking about that. And you said that that's one of the things you bring to, to the practice. What does that look like? What does that mean to you in terms of bringing variability? Bringing variability to at least a mat practice to me means not always doing things in the quote, perfect alignment. It means that sometimes I'm going to do a squat or the chair pose or whatever yoga pose you like to do with my feet in one position. And then sometimes I'm going to do it in another position. And sometimes I may do it in four or five positions, even within the same practice. And it's about, there is no one special perfect position that's the best for everyone, which is like, I think how a lot of us asana practitioners grew up learning about movement. Mm. Um, There was a lot of fear about like going out of quote, good alignment. And when I started to realize that like, there is no one perfect alignment for everyone, I started to add way more variability. And then I started to realize, okay, so now I'm also training my body in a variety of positions Mm -hmm. and like, do I want to be strong in a variety of positions or do I want to be, be strong in one perfect alignment? It's like, no, of course, I want to be strong in a variety of positions. Yeah. And so in order to do that, I need to be in a variety of positions yeah. and let go of some of these very deep held ideas that do not just come from yoga practice, but, you mm-hmm. know, like they yes. come from like old style kind of kinesiology and yes. old style fitness and physio and all of these different things have compounded yes. into these like, movement rules yeah um and i think what's happening now is like the wave of variable movement is sweeping through which is fantastic because it also just like gives people options and the style of of postural yoga that i grew up doing you know it was for a certain person with a certain body and that's Mm -hmm. a problem so when we can open our minds to like we should do different things. Variability is important. Swimming two days a week is not going to take away from your yoga practice. Um, I think people really start to like open their minds and, and grow. It's so good. Dude, this is why I have a podcast. Because you get to have conversations like this and then you get to hear the person. Like, 
the the passion in your voice just now was is so good and it's just like even if you didn't maybe that, that person listening didn't really believe in it they have to listen to that and be like well maybe because Catherine kind of got fired up about that like that's so 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 good if i'm gonna just segue right into plugging you if people because they're gonna want to the people who want to learn more from you they want to connect with you they want to just you know do the things how can they do that so everything is on my website. It's katherinebruniyoung.com. It's K-A-T-H-R-Y-N-B-R-U-N-I-Y-O-U-N-G.com. And then same thing on Instagram and Facebook. And yeah, those are like the easiest places to find me. My podcast is called Mindful Strength Podcast. It's on all of the apps and everything. Shantae has been on twice. Yeah, so you should go back and at least listen to those. That's and it. What, what about the YouTube channel? Oh, yeah. YouTube, over there. same thing. Just my name, Catherine Bruni Young. Could you please, like, subscribe to my YouTube channel? <laughs> Something. Let's, let's help her out, guys, because that's just hard. I mean, please. I'm like, I, I can't do it. So let's help her out. Let's head on over to YouTube. She's got that consistent branding going on, which I love. Catherine Bruni Young across all platforms. Go yeah. learn the thing. She has options for all the people. She's given out tons of stuff on the Instagrams uh, and, and now also on the YouTube. So let's check her out. Before I let you go, Catherine, I end the show the same way. I would like for you to share, and it could be anything, parting your favorite or your choice of parting words with the people. I would say my parting words are do so many different things. There it is. There it is. Variability. So exciting. There it is. Dude, I love it. And it's simple. Do so many different things. Do more of what you're not doing a lot of. The but don't talk words. about them all on Instagram. <laughs> I like that. I like that. That's Yo, that is very helpful because this is what I do. I coach Instagram people and I'm like, please niche this down and narrow down. I don't know what the hell you do. So thank yeah. you. Yeah, my pleasure. It's been so wonderful to be here. Dude, you are awesome. There's no dog today? What what happened? Where's the Actually, dog? Actually, uh, Kyle like brought the dog out to go grocery shopping while we were oh. recording this. Oh, gosh. Convenient. This is amazing. The setup is great. Ah, this is so good. Catherine, this has been phenomenal. Just... This so comprehensive. Like I knew it would be a good interview, but like, and then you do it, and it's like, oh my god, it's even better. So I'm pumped to share this with the people. Thank you again for all that you do. This you you are a leader in the industry, in the movement world, and just in the digital business world too. So just thank you for leading from the front. Thank you for giving people permission to have variability with what they do. And thanks for making the time to come on the show. I truly, truly appreciate it. Yeah, my pleasure. I'm so happy to be here. It's such an honor. And yeah, thank you. Yeah, this is a really good one. You guys listening, thank you. I know you could have been doing anything and you chose to listen to us. And for that, we are both endlessly, endlessly appreciative. If you liked the episode, I'm going to ask that you head on over to YouTube, check out Catherine's channel, and subscribe. If you loved the episode, I'm going to ask that you head on over to iTunes, wherever you listen to this, and do me a little solid and subscribe to the podcast. You got some options there, right, guys? All right, officially wrapping it up. Until next time, friends, Catherine and Maestro, 